Well, Pastors Tim and Rhonda are on vacation, and uh, so they're having a great time. I think they're, they're on the ocean, on an island, Hilton Head Island, and they're just enjoying themselves, having a good time. So I uh, get to preach to you guys this morning in the 9 a.m. service. Uh, Pastor Steve's gonna, Steve is going to be preaching the 11 a.m. service um, and today, and so that'll be fantastic as well. So stick around for a completely brand new message if you can. Appreciate it. But uh, um, have you ever heard of the term that has been frequently used? It, it's people say this, as now, so then. Has anybody ever heard of that? Yeah. As now, so then. And um, with my with with my father growing up, him being you know a teacher, his all of his life, he would as a child growing up teach us things, and he'd use phrases and and, and terms like this. You know, as a young boy, you're uh, uh, trying to just grasp life as best you can, and your dad's walking around proclaiming stuff as as now, so then, my boy, and you're like, okay, dad, you know. I'm just worried about my baseball game. But uh, then you get older and you begin to realize, oh, he's, he's right. That is true, as now, so then. And this is a simple phrase um, that uh, really what means is this, is that who you are on the inside goes with you wherever you go, right? And as humans, we get a flawed thinking sometimes that we think, Boy, if I can get a different house, then I'll be happy. Boy, if, if I could have a different boss, then, I, then my life would be, I'd be happy. If I didn't have these kids, my, you know, my life would be so easy. Boy, what, and um, it's, this, it's this wrong way of thinking that stuff or objects or people or your, are, are, are the reason you're successful or not, that, that a place where you live somehow has to do with your happiness, the location has some, some, something to do with your joy, which is not true. And, and I remember as a young boy complaining about things, and, and I would say stuff like, oh man, I, I, my life's going to get so much better when I just get into middle school. And my dad would proclaim the truth from across the house. As now, so then, my boy. Right? It's because who we are on the inside goes with us wherever we're at. It's that people aren't affecting me as much as I'm affecting me. It's that the place I live isn't really affecting me. It's what's on the inside of me that I'm carrying with me wherever I go that seems to be following me wherever I go. And I learn quickly, and we've all learned, that you'll take your habits and attitudes into the next chapter of your life. And so what's, what's most important is that, is that you've got to get the inside right. And you, can, you could gain the whole world and never be truly free. And so we've got to be careful that we don't look to things for our happiness or joy or reasons to get up in the morning, but our ultimate goal is to have Jesus change us from the inside out, change our heart, our habits, our attitude from the inside so that no matter where we're at, we are bringing joy into that situation. That we are bringing peace into unrest. That we are bringing love into a home that might 
feel a bit unloving. I'll boil it down to this. Sometimes you get men, you get home from work, or women, you get home from work, and you arrive into a house full of kids and people that might have had a bad day. But we can bring love and peace and joy and rest into our environment because it's what's on the inside of us. Amen? And we can be an agent of change rather than everything else affecting us. Amen? So this is a term called as now, so then. But I want to preach today about a different phrase. I want to flip this phrase completely. And so the title of my message is this. As then, so now. As then, so now. And what I want to teach you today is about this new phrase that I made up. All right? It starts today. I never heard this phrase before. It starts today. You can spread it, but give me credit. Thank you. Thank you. As then, so now. And what this phrase is all about is, if it's going to be in heaven then, let's make it here now. Oh, now I'm preaching. If it's going to be in heaven then, let's live it out here now. If I'm created to have a relationship with God the Father, then let's just have a relationship with God the Father now. Amen? All right, now we're, now we're moving in a message. As then, so now. If it's going to be in heaven, let's make it a reality here on earth. C.S. Lewis once said, and I'm going to read this slowly for you because this is important. He once said this, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. Mm. So what will heaven have for all of us, my friends? Well, heaven will be full of Forgiveness. Oh. Oh, a world full of forgiveness. And if it's going to be happening then, (laughs) let's have it here now. We are created, originally created, me and you, to live forever in paradise. No problems, no struggles, no death, no sin, No unforgiveness, but paradise. Just go ahead and open your Bible to Genesis chapter 1. Adam and Eve, living in the Garden of Eden in paradise, created to live forever. But something happened. So we were originally created to live in a heavenly experience. Me and you are supposed to be living in paradise right now. And this is how we were supposed to be originally done and let's if it's supposed to be happening then let's let's make it here now in heaven you will have not just forgiveness but you'll have joy in heaven you'll have peace in heaven you'll have laughter in heaven there will be no worries no stress total love no thief the bible talks about no thief will come and steal the treasures that are being stored for you in heaven. 
Amen? No arguments. And yes, I am telling you that you can live in this world with no worries. Yes. Yes. I am telling you that you can live in this world with no stress. Yes. I am telling you that you can live in this world with love. In your heart, loving the people around you, them loving you, peace, harmony, joy. Yes, I'm telling you, these things are real for you here today, right now. How do you get them? How do you have access to them? I want to encourage you with this. And I want to just tell you that what C.S. Lewis says is absolutely true. Is that the Christians who did most in this world were just the ones who were really focused on the next. And understanding that this world has trials and tribulations. But, but, our Father has such an amazing future for us. That we don't have to let those trials and tribulations stress us out. Because we can know without a shadow of a doubt that God is in control. That all things are working together for your good. That even though things may happen, it is part of the larger plan. And that when you finally arrive in heaven, you will understand everything that happened. And it all was unfolding for this great, glorious kingdom working for good, working for everything good. Do you believe that when you get to heaven, that all, all your life will be explained to you and you will say, God worked out everything for the good? Do you believe that will happen? Do you believe that will happen? If you truly, truly believe that will happen for you, then you can begin to actually experience the peace and harmony of God in your heart right now. You can. It can be right here, totally available to you. If you believe it'll be all explained to you then, then you can absolutely have it right now. Isn't that wonderful? As then, so now. Like I said, God has originally created me and you to live forever in paradise in a heavenly experience. But sin came into this world and all that went away. But as Christians, as Christians, if you're a Christian today, say amen. Your mission and what you are called to do with your life is to create heaven here on earth for you and those around you. Amen? Amen. It's what Jesus did when he walked around this world. It's how he touched people. It's because he gave him a heavenly experience. And then Jesus says, you're going to do greater works than these. It is better that I leave you. My Holy Spirit may come. He's going to empower you to do even greater works than these. And we must believe that we can walk around bringing heaven to this earth. We were created to have a heavenly vision for our life. If it's going to be in heaven, let's make it a reality here on earth. I want to just preach about three things today. Three things today. Three points. Point number one. We were created to live in a land called Goshen. Now this is really weird, but last week, Pastor Anthony Ramsey, if you were here, he, I think it was in the 9 a.m. service, that he was talking a lot about this region of land called Goshen. Does anybody remember him? If you were here, okay, you remember him talking about Goshen? As he's talking about Goshen, I'm like, this guy must be reading my message notes. Because this original message that I was writing was called living in a land called Goshen. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he's talking about Goshen. Nobody talks about Goshen. As a matter of fact, I bet many of you in here didn't even know what Goshen was all about when he started talking about Goshen. 
Well, it's a region of land. It's actually uh, used to be controlled by Egypt. It's in that area of the world. It's a region of land. And we were created to live in a land called Goshen. We were absolutely created, and still today, we're created to live in a land called Goshen. You can actually read about this land called Goshen in the Old Testament. But it was a region that was considered to be the best land. All right? When there was severe famine in the country, and Joseph's brothers fled to Egypt to escape the famine. They were placed in this region of land called Goshen by Joseph so that they could survive. I'll read it to you, Genesis 47, verse 6. It says, Choose any place in the entire land of Egypt for them to live. Give them the best of the land. Let them live in the region of Goshen. There it is. They're gonna get, you're going to get your brothers and your family is going to live in the best land. Amen? Now, during the family, we also see that the Israelites, not only Joseph's brothers, but all the Israelites fled to Egypt. And if you believe that the Israelites are a chosen nation like I do, amen? And you're a chosen nation of God. We're father, we're, we're our father's Abraham, right? We are the descendants of Abraham. We're a chosen people, Amen? And the Israelites are a chosen people. But look at the Israelites fled to Egypt. And let's find out where they settled. Genesis 47 verse 27. It says, meanwhile, the people of Israel settled in the region of Goshen in Egypt. There they acquired property and they were fruitful and their population grew rapidly during a famine. Now, is there a, is there a something going on in the world right now? A pandemic. We were created, even during times of pestilence, pandemic, famine, and stress. My friends, me and you, are created and destined and chosen by God to live in a land called Goshen. To be untouched by this disease. I truly believe it. To, to be the people of God, to say, to, so that people can say, my gosh, all those Christians, it's like they were just disease-free, struggle-free, stress-free, fruitful, multiplied. In a year when things were going downward, the church rose to the surface. That's supposed to be our testimony. This is why we are walking on this earth to shine the light of Jesus, to say all are welcome into this community. All are welcome to live in this land called Goshen. If you would only believe and repent, you are welcomed in. Amen? This is what we were created to live and be in. I want to continue on. I keep proving to you that we were created to live in a land called Goshen. There's more references to this land. If you go from Genesis, you skip over to the next book of Exodus, there's more talk of this land called Goshen because the Bible said that the people of Israel settled in the land of Goshen and now we skip over a book. But here we have Pharaoh has completely, you know, has, has enslaved the people of Israel and, and, and taken control over them and they're still living in the land of Goshen at this time. But then Moses enters the scene. He says, what does he say? He says, let my people go. Let my people go. And, uh, and, the, and the Pharaoh says no. And so all of a sudden plagues. Plagues start hitting. But what happens to the land called Goshen while the plagues were destroying everything else? Listen to what it says in Exodus 8 verse 22. It says, but this time I will spare the region of Goshen. Where my people live, no flies will be found there. 
Then you will know I am the Lord and that I am present even in the heart of your land. Let's read Exodus 9.26. Another time, another instance here. It says, The only place without hail was the region of Goshen where the people of Israel lived. And I believe, Christians, that where you live, where I live, where we live is a blessed land. It's a blessed land. It's a land free of pestilence and disease and plague. Amen? Let's declare it over our lives. Let's pray it over our families. Let's believe it for our church. Let's believe it for our schools. We need Christians rising up early in the morning and praying a prayer of disease-free schools. This disease will not touch my kids' classroom, will not touch my kids' friends, will not touch the teachers. We will be able to, to, to get back to normal life. We need to begin to pray these prayers and watch God move in our city, in our midst, because of a praying church. Come on. Now, number one, I told you we were created to live in a land called Goshen. Number two, we were created to speak life, not death. Speak life, not death. I want to let you know that you have a purpose. You can put that point up. I don't know. You, we were created to speak life, not death. You can just skip. There it is. Oh, no. There it is. Did that go up yet? It did. Well, there it goes. It's up again. We were created to speak life, not death. I want to let you know today that you have a purpose to being alive. Now, you, now here's what we struggle. is Sometimes we begin to compare our lives to somebody else. And when it doesn't measure up to what somebody else has done or is doing, we don't think we have purpose. That's crazy talk. What if I told you that your purpose, mothers and fathers in this house today, was to raise your family in a godly environment and love on them and shine the love of Jesus on them until they leave your house? What if I told you that was your purpose? Would that be enough? It would be enough. It'd be more than enough. And what if I told you that after the kids left the home that your purpose is not over, that you were created and designed and breathe life into by your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so that you could continue to shine the love of Jesus on your workplace and your family and your friends and your church. Amen? Would that be enough? It would be enough. And when we could understand what our purpose is and why we're here in this world, we will not be dissatisfied with our life, but we will be satisfied with our life when we understand why we exist and why we breathe. But look at Proverbs 19, 20, 21 says, you can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. And so I want to encourage you today that, that we get stressed about our life. We begin to make a lot of plans so that we can get something going and get something moving and get something. I want to be successful. I want to be successful. I want to be successful. But if you read the Bible, it talks about you can do a lot of things, but without love, it is nothing. And that's where we get trapped a lot of times as human beings is we get so bent on being successful that we run over people along the way to get successful. We step on a human being to get successful. We get out of my way so I can get successful. And the heart of God is breaking when we do that with the people around us. People don't slow you down. They're part of your purpose. If you're sitting next to somebody today, your purpose is to look at them and smile right now. Now, now somebody was left out especially if there was three in a row or five in a row, right? That odd number. You see, you have purpose today. Let's not get sidetracked. 
I wonder, I wonder when you get to heaven. Uh, I told you, if it's going to be in heaven, let's make it here now. I wonder if you get to heaven and God's going to look at your entire life and he's going to say, wow, woo, that business, boy, you made a lot of money. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> no, no, he's not going to, he's going to laugh. He's going he's gonna to pass by that so quickly, and you're going to say, God, but what about all that I tried to do? I, I did. He's going to say, that's not why you were here on this earth. And you're going to say, well, why did you create me? And he's going to show you the time that you loved your wife or your husband or your kids and your friends. He's going to highlight the moment you stopped in your busy schedule and you hugged somebody who was crying. That's what he's going to highlight. And if it's going to happen then, Let's make it a reality now. I'm telling you, folks, that if we can get focused more on heaven and the purposes of God for our life, we will begin to live out a heavenly experience here and now. Amen? You have purpose. You were created to speak life, not death. I'm telling you, you have purpose. We, were cre- we, we live, um, this is another point about just speaking life. I just want you to say this. I live in the light. Say it. I live in the light. Ephesians 5 verse 8 says, For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. You remember a time when you, were, when you lived in darkness? Do you remember those days when you lived in darkness and then find the light shined in and you saw yourself for who you really were and you didn't like it and you wanted Jesus instead? You're created to live in the light. Number point, point C, we were, we shall live and not die. So this is all under the point of we were created to speak life, not death. We have purpose. We live in light. We shall live and not die. Psalm 118 verse 17 says, I will not die. Instead, I will live to tell what the Lord has done. I don't really know if there's even such thing as death. Because I believe that you're going to go from life to life. So where's death? Where is it? Where's the moment of death? Is it a split millisecond where just nothing is happening for your life and then all of a sudden you're in heaven? Is that death? Because I don't believe there is even death. You go from life to life. Uh, D.L. Moody, ever heard of the Moody Institute in Chicago? It's a college university. He wrote a book called Life after life. <laughs> where is death? We, that's what we sing as a church. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, hell, where is your victory? It is not for us. We're not created to die. We were created to live. And we need to speak things like this. I shall live and not die. Amen? D, we say this over your life. Everything good comes from God. And everything bad comes from the devil. James chapter 1, verse 17, Wherever, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. The Bible says that our God doesn't even cast a shifting shadow. What, what does that mean? A shadow. A shadow can be sometimes scary. Ever been scared by your own shadow? Ever seen a movie where the shadow's coming down the hallway? 
and it's, and it's going to scare you. Our God is so brilliant, bright, all shining, light, 180, 360 degrees, all encompassing light that in heaven there is no even, there's not even a shadow. You cannot even cast a shadow because you, my friend, are a being of light. You cannot even cast a shadow. You cannot even create a dark shadow in heaven. And so if that's where our light is, life will be like one day, let's make it here and now. Amen? This is what I'm talking about. As, then, so, now. Another point here. Say this every single day of your life, that God is churning all things around for my good. Romans 8, 20, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Say this over your life. I am forgiven and surrounded by grace and mercy. Uh, the g- forgiveness is the greatest miracle that can happen for us today. How easy is it just to ask for forgiveness? How easy is it for us to repent of our sins? God has made it so easy by sending his son. If we would just ask, if we would just repent, if we would just say, Lord, forgive me, then you, my friend, are forgiven. Completely, 100%, totally forgiven and right standing with your Father in heaven, which, my friends, is the most important thing you could ever do for your life. I know that you're concerned about work tomorrow. I know you're concerned about the bills at the end of the month. I know you're concerned about certain appointments coming up in this week. I know you're concerned about maybe even what you're going to do tomorrow with the family. But I want to tell you right now that you should be mostly concerned about having a right standing relationship with God the Father. You should be. That's the most important thing for your life. But the blessed thing and the most amazing thing is, is that we are forgiven and surrounded by grace and mercy. But these days, you know, these days, yes, these days, during a, 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 a disunified nation, racial tensions, pandemic, I see a lot of people struggling to forgive their neighbor. A lot. I see it all over social media. Arguments between Christians. Right there on display for the world to see. Arguing about things. Unwilling to forgive. Unwilling to extend grace and mercy. All because they believe they're right and someone else is wrong. But look at what the Bible says, Matthew chapter 6, 14 through 15. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And, and so if, if it's going to happen in heaven, let's make it here now. And what if you, oh, I, hate, I hate to say this, but, you know, what if you go from life to life? Let's just say that. I don't want to say die. But let's say you just go from life to life and you're standing in front of the Father. And he says, okay, my child, I do want to let you in. But there's a couple of people you need to forgive right now in order for me to forgive you. Do you think you'll forgive them so you could go into paradise? Yes. You're like, oh my gosh, why would I ever hold on to that? For an eternity in, dark, in darkness down there? Uh, no. You would forgive them, wouldn't you? If it's going to happen then, let's make it happen now. It's so good. But we struggle, and we hold grudges, and we get angry at people when we are not created to fight flesh and blood. The warfare is not between our brothers and sisters. Not, that's not what we're fighting right now. There is a demons and darknesses from coming up from below, creating division 
and anxiety and stress and racial tensions and all sorts of stuff. We must keep our eyes on the Lord and love our brothers and sisters no matter what and extend forgiveness no matter what. No excuses. No excuses. I'm sorry. It's not even my words. It's the Bible's words. There's no excuse to hold on to unforgiveness. I know that people can do some pretty horrible things to you. I know that. Trust me. And sometimes it's very difficult to forgive. But I want to tell you right now that if you can't forgive, and the Bible is very clear that God can't forgive you. So let's just forgive each other. Move on. Healed. Heal our hearts. If it's going to happen then, let's make it happen now. Amen? And number seven, just you declare that it's over your life, actually, under this point. Number two, you just declare, I am going to live forever. Look at Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11. It says, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He's planted eternity in the human heart. You know, the word of God is, is, is forever, and it can't be changed. And that's why it's, people try to think that, you know, some people think that after this life, there's just nothing. It's just nothingness. You just, you're just like a pile of meat in the ground. You're just darkness, nothingness. You know, you, nothing happens after this life. But that's not what the word of God says. And word of, the words of God are forever and true and perfect and cannot be changed. And, and you will live forever. It's either going to be in heaven or hell. And so, but if you believe in Jesus and you ask for forgiveness of your sins, then you will be forever in heaven, in eternity, and you are going to live forever. Let's just make sure it's in the right place. Amen. Number three, I want to end with this point. I said we were created to live in a land called Goshen. We were created to speak life, not death. Number three, we were created to shine God's love. Billy Graham the great, amazing evangelist Billy Graham was invited to the Naga land in northern India. He arrived exhausted, and his helper, he was given a helper, his name was Nuhili, and he was there to serve Billy. Nuhili was getting him situated that evening when he arrived, and Nuhili invited Billy Graham to the prayer meeting in the morning of the very next day. Billy Graham was exhausted and thought, well, I'm the main speaker, and I certainly don't need to go to a simple prayer meeting. But Billy Graham asked, how many people will be there? Nuhili responded, oh, about 100,000 people. Okay, so maybe I should go. Nuhili started polishing Billy Graham's shoes. Billy asked, are, are there other speakers here this week? Nuhili said, oh, yes, sir, there are more. But he wouldn't say who. Billy asked, well, who? And while still polishing Billy Graham's shoes, he responded, me. That moment changed Billy Graham's life. This man certainly has a servant's heart. We were created to shine God's love. Ruth chapter 1, verses 16 through 18 is an amazing story of a woman named Ruth shining God's love on another woman named Naomi. Starting in verse 16, chapter 1, but Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. You see, Naomi's telling Ruth, just go, just go, just go away. There's nothing for you here. Your husband's died. Your your sister-in-law's husband died. My husband's died. I got nothing. I'm poor. But Ruth replies, don't ask me to leave and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. 
Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely, even if I allow anything but death to separate us. And when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. What an what is just an amazing story here in the Bible. Ruth is just a shadow of Jesus, just showing what our Savior is going to be like, that, that he will follow us wherever we go. Nothing will separate Jesus from us. Even when we say, don't you come with me. I reject you. And Jesus says, well, I never reject you. I'm going to go with you wherever you go, and I'm going to be right by you wherever you're at, even in your darkest moments, even in the moments of, of, of famine and hunger and pestilence and disease, I will be right there with you. Even in moments of sadness and darkness and loneliness, I am right there with you. Do you believe that, church? I believe it too. And so Ruth is just clinging to Naomi just like our Savior clings to us. Amen? And look, at the, I'm, I believe that you reap what you sow, don't you? So let's see what happens to Ruth here. In this story, Ruth chapter 2, verses 8 through 14, it says, Boaz went over and said to Ruth, listen, my daughter, stay right here with us. When you gather grain, don't go to any other field. Stay right behind the young women working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting and then follow them. I've warned the young man not to treat you roughly. And when you're thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness? She asked, I'm only a foreigner. Yes, I know about his reply, but I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I've heard how you let your father, and uh, I've heard how you left your father and mother in your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. I hope I continue to please you, sir, she replied. You have comforted me by speaking so kindly to me, even though I am not one of your workers. At mealtime, Boaz called to her, come over here. Help yourself to some food. You can dip your bread in the sour wine. So she sat with the harvesters, and Boaz gave her some roasted grain to eat. She ate all she wanted and still had some left over. This is the kind of relationships that we were created to have in our life. We were created to make sacrifices for those around us. We were created to serve and love the people around us. We were created to shine the light of, and the love of Jesus on those around us. And I believe that we reap what we sow. And that if you live your life to serve others, to love others, to shine the light of Jesus on others, even when they're not treating you correctly even, even when it seems like it's not, it's not falling very well for you at times, I believe that you will reap what you will sow and, find, and eventually a Boaz will come into your life and will help you and, and, and give back to you what you have reaped for, sown out so much for your life, you'll begin to reap what you sow, just like Ruth did here. I want to end with this. We were created by God, amen, to have communion with God and experience the love of God. We were created and we are created to live forever in paradise. We were created to live in a heavenly experience one day. And as Christians, you and I, We are called and created and purposed to bring heaven down to this earth. I believe that. We are created to have a heavenly vision for this world. If it's going to be in heaven, let's make it a reality here on earth. I want to read this quote one more time by C.S. Lewis. Because he said, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did 
The most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. Aim at heaven, and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you will get neither. Let's stand to our feet. I believe healing's in this place even right now. If it's going to be in heaven, let's make it a reality here here on earth. I believe there's healing power available to us today. You know, I love, the, I love what Jesus did, did in the Bible. He would heal people um, who uh, were far away from him, lost sinners. He would heal them. And that, that healing would draw them to him. And I think many of us are a little bit distorted sometimes in thinking, well, I don't, I don't deserve healing today. I've been a bad person. But when I read my Bible, that's not what my Jesus did for people. He never asked them to get right before he healed them. He would just heal them. He would just do it for them. That's the most amazing thing about, what's one of the most amazing things about Jesus? And I believe that there's healing miracle power today in this service for us. I felt it a few days ago when I was preparing and getting ready for the service. I felt it this morning as I was even driving in that today is a day of miracles for many people. And I don't know what kind of miracle you need today. Maybe it's physical in your body. Maybe there's a disease or a broken part of your body today that you need healed. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe there's a, a, a bad relationship happening and today you're going you're to get healed first on the inside and all of a sudden you're going to see that person differently. You're going to see them with eyes of love and not anger and hatred anymore. We're not supposed to hate our brothers and sisters. Not even our enemies, the Bible says. Amen. And today, there's healing, miracle healing power in this place. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Close your eyes. Receive. Receive. Receive healing today. Wow. I don't know what kind of healing is going forth right now, but there is power in this place. There's power in this place. There's hearts being healed. There's hearts being healed. Minds are being healed right now in the name of Jesus. You're no longer looking at your job as a prison, but you're looking at as a place where you can create paradise. You're no longer looking at your wife as a burden to you, but you're looking at her as somebody that you can shine the love of Jesus on. That your mission is to love the people in your life, to love those in your house, to love the ones sitting next to you, and even your bodies. I pray for healing in the body right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, backs, shoulders, eyes, ears, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for, for finances. Finances, Lord God. Some of us are in a struggling situation right now. If you're doing well with your finances, begin to pray with me for those who are struggling. Begin to pray with me. We live in a land called Goshen. More than enough, thriving, thriving, multiplying, growing rapidly. That's who we're called to be. Right now, in the name of Jesus, finances would, would begin to break, that the doors would begin to open, that we, we've cast the net. We've cast that net in the side of the boat so many times. We fished all night long, and we didn't catch nothing. But in the morning, Jesus shows up. We're tired, we're weary, we're broken, we're, we're done, we've given up. And he says, throw the net out one more time. And all of a sudden, so much fish come in that the boat begins to sink. The boat begins to break. I pray that would be our story. I pray that would be your year. I pray that you would finish 2020 better than how it started. Amen? I pray that you'd be the head and not the tail. I pray that you'd be the lender and not the borrower. I pray that you would begin to live in a land called Goshen starting today. 
In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, let's worship. In Jesus' name. Come on, church. Don't. There you go. It's fine. Let's go. Let's lift up our praise. Let's just continue this atmosphere. Let's just begin to worship. Let's begin to be thankful today. Come on. All praise to the one who saved my life.